I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song? Episode 78. Hello and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of scripture hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. This week we are using Need to Breathe's song Brother to jump into scripture. And my daughter Emily recommended it. And I love that she and my other daughter Meredith, along with my husband and friends and and even some of you listeners, are always on the lookout for a song that could inspire us to read God's word. In fact, just this week, my eight-year-old Meredith was reading in the book of Ephesians and she read a phrase that she remembers hearing in a song and started singing the song and said, Mom, you know, have you done done that one yet? You should. It's right here. I just love that. So I did a little research to the story behind the song this week, as I often do, and I found a few articles that I will link to in the show notes, and you can find those at michellenizat.com forward slash 78. But interestingly enough, this song, Brother, was born out of adversity. Need to Breathe is actually headed up by brothers Bear and Bo Reinhardt, and this is what they said in a recent article. Again, I'll link to that in the show notes. But they said, this song represents a completely different way of looking at each other in this band. Somehow along the way, we had talked ourselves into believing that being competitive with each other was a good thing. It really was every man for himself. The band had to go through a pretty tough time to realize how much we needed each other, but we came out on the other side with an appreciation that only brothers can have. We want our first instinct from now on to be to stick up for each other. So knowing that, knowing the story behind the song, really helped me listen to the song differently and also helped it relate to relationships between brothers that we see in God's word. So let's listen to the chorus. As I listen to this song, I think of the brothers that we see in God's word. I think of Cain and Abel. Uh, how how would the story have turned out differently if Cain could have come to the place where he could support his brother instead of being controlled by sin and jealousy and rage? I think of Jacob and Esau. You know, what a mess they were. Their parents did not help the situation, by the way, because they showed favoritism to, to each of them. But too bad Jacob couldn't see past his own ambition, and too bad Esau couldn't see past his own empty stomach to sing this chorus to one another. 
Now, don't miss the rest of the story on these two brothers, Jacob and Esau, because perhaps this song could be added to the soundtrack of their lives uh, towards the end. But in the middle, what was it? Oh, yeah, just like the first brothers, sin, jealousy, and rage. And then I think of Joseph and his brothers. Now, this could actually be a song that Joseph would sing to them at the end of the story when he was in power in Egypt and in a position to save them from the famine of their day. But too bad his brothers couldn't find a way to sing it to him when they were controlled by, oh, what was that again? Oh, yeah, just like the first brothers, sin, jealousy, and rage. So even in the New Testament, we see brothers. I think of the prodigal son and how his brother responded to his brother's foolish choices and his father's reaction to those foolish choices. And what was that brother's response again? Oh, yeah, just like the first, sin, jealousy, and rage. So call me crazy, and and maybe this is just because I'm an only child, although I do have to say I do now have four brothers-in-law, but I ended up picking up a story between two men who were friends closer than a brother to talk about on today's podcast. You know, don't worry, I'm not going to leave you hanging with these other stories that I just mentioned. You can explore them on your own this week with today's free resource entitled, Oh Brother, Exploring a Topic in Scripture. You can get that free resource by heading over to michellenizat.com forward slash 78 download. And if you're already a subscriber to my website, then you have instant access to that free resource already in your Monday morning email. So I'm going to unpack what this resource will do for you later in the episode. But again, you can get it by heading over to michellenizat.com forward slash 78 download. So as we jump into any interaction in the Bible, I want you to consider it an adventure. I say that a lot. And I recently ran across a website by a gentleman by the name of Matt Walker. Now, I am not sure if he's a believer or not, but he uses adventure experiences, things like mountain climbing, ropes courses, and the like to build teams. He's also an author and a motivational speaker and has a blog. And I found him because I was looking for elements of adventure. I just kind of wanted to define that for you. And I keep saying that studying the Bible is an adventure, and I want you to know I believe it. You know, it's not a have to for me. It's a get to. And to be honest, I get to more often because of my commitment to you. You know, I'm responsible to weekly put my thoughts together, and they better darn well come from Scripture because that's what I believe God's called me to do here, inspire you to pick up your Bible and read it for yourself. So if in preparation, I don't pick up my own Bible and read it for myself, then I would at best be hypocritical and at worst lead lead you to value my words over God's words. And by the way, that my friends is sin. So as I was seeking out the best way to define elements of adventure, I ran across this guy, Matt Walker, and he defines the elements of adventure this way. He says the five elements of adventure in his mind is high endeavor, total commitment, uncertain outcome, tolerance for adversity, and great companionship. Now, I loved that. So I wanted to unpack that a little bit as it relates to interacting with God's word for yourself. 
Matt says that um, adventure is high endeavor. He defines it as the ability to think big and think bigger about who you are, how you live, and what you can do in the world. Now, I contend that reading and interacting with God's word is also high endeavor. But I think it's mostly the ability to think big and think bigger about who God is. Forget you. It's not about you. It's about God, his purposes for you, and how he might use you to accomplish his overall purposes in the world. Now, that's high endeavor. Now, Matt says adventure is total commitment. It's the spirit of willingness to embrace challenge and move towards success It's the acknowledgement that total commitment does not mean blind faith or brazen disregard, but it is confidence and belief in the face of challenge. So when you think of that as it relates to reading God's word, reading reading and interacting with God's word takes total commitment. It takes confidence and belief that it is God's word and as such, it's worth your time and energy and effort and sacrifice to take it on. You know, we live by faith and not by sight. But we must know that faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. But God's word defines what we should hope for and reveals those elements of the unseen to us. So the third um, the third element of adventure is an uncertain outcome. And Matt says it's a predetermined outcome is not an adventure, but a packaged experience or amusement ride. Life is uncertain. Get comfortable with it. It is the acknowledgement that there will be adversity and unease, but that an uncertain outcome is a gift of possibility. The thing about reading and interacting with God's word is that it's supposed to change the way we think, but we don't want to change the way we think. So we approach God's word with a predetermined outcome in mind, but that's not adventure. It's the uncertain outcome of what God's word may ask us to believe, to become, or to do that brings the adventure. Now, the next element of adventure is tolerance for adversity, our ability to be resilient in the face of challenge, our willingness to laugh, use humor, and be graceful during difficult situations, the opportunity we each face to take a step back and acknowledge these sometimes absurd aspects of being human, embrace it, and continue on. That's what Matt defines as tolerance for adversity. Now, I say taking on God's word is an adventure, and with adventure comes adversity. Adversity when you don't understand what you're reading. Adversity when you try to live it out. Adversity when others don't understand or accept the change that they see in you. God's word is full of stories of the absurdity of being human and what it looks like to submit, not to our humanness, but to God and his spirit and see where that may lead. But it is not without adversity. And then finally, adventure is great companionship. While our lives can sometimes feel solitary, we can't do it alone. This is what Matt says. It takes a team to support living in commitment, joy, generosity, and gratitude. And I totally agree with that. This is so true with your faith walk as well. You know, I've met those that say, I don't need church. I have Jesus. But I say beyond that just being flawed and unbiblical thinking, um, what about this? The church needs you. The people in it need you. You know, we can walk in companionship with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They model for us what true companionship is in the Trinity. And we can grow and be challenged and celebrate with one another in our journey through the word. 
which leads us to the idea in our song, companionship, relationship, being brothers and sisters in Christ. So if you really want to meet these two that are closer than a brother, these two that I alluded to that we're going to unpack today in God's word, uh, you're going to have to read more than just the verses that mention them by name. And the two that I'm talking about today are Jonathan and David. And you really need to understand the whole story in context. You can you can even go back as far as 1 Samuel chapter 8 to see how Israel even came about having a king other than God. And then in chapter 9, you see that Saul is chosen to become king and so on. And then finally, in chapter 13, you meet Jonathan, King Saul's son. And in chapter 14, you get to know Jonathan a little bit better and what kind of man he is and the depth of his faith in God. And then in chapter 15, God rejects Saul as king because of his prideful disobedience. And then in chapter 16, we meet David, the son of a shepherd named Jesse and baby brother to seven other brothers. And because of Saul's disobedience to God, God removes his spirit from him. And scripture says when David was anointed as king, the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. Now, here are the things that I want you to notice when you read about Jonathan. As you can tell, I can't read all of that to you for you. So I really hope that you will explore it on your own. But here's some things that I want you to know about Jonathan or or notice as you read about him. First of all, he has great faith in God. He said to his, his armor bearer, nothing can hinder the Lord from saving. He's got great faith in God. He already has a close relationship with his armor bearer. So his armor bearer said with uh, he had a crazy plan that that um you know on the surface seemed like it was going to get them both killed. But ar- the armor bearer said, "I'm with you heart and soul." This proves to me that he's a good and trustworthy friend. He's someone worth trusting. Someone else has already trusted him before we even meet David. He is a mighty man in battle. You'll see that in the stories that I mentioned um in these chapters in 1 Samuel. And he loves and respects his father, but he does see him clearly, faults and all. I don't think he has this blind um, respect for his father. He definitely respects him, but it there's, uh, and he sees him clearly. So you just need to read the stories to hear, to see what I'm talking about. And here's the things that I want you to notice when you read about David. He is actually described in 1 Samuel 16. It makes it easy for us because they kind of give us a list. He's described as a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, a man of good presence, and the Lord is with him. So these two men, even though I didn't have like a list about Jonathan and a list about David, If you're thinking critically about what you're reading, you see how much alike these two men are. You can see this list about David in 1 Samuel 16, 18, but you can see these qualities about Jonathan as well in previous chapters. So it doesn't surprise me at all that Jonathan, he witnesses uh, David stand up and kill Goliath. And as soon as it says, as soon as David is done talking to Saul after this event happened, that they became friends closer than a brother. They, their hearts, their, their souls were knit together. It says, in fact, the scripture says the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. But he loved him as his own soul and that heart, that knitting came together, uh, not just as an idea, but he actually acted 
on that by by um, joining with David in covenant. And so 1 Samuel 18, chapter, uh, chapter 18, verses 3 and 4 says, Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and he gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. So I want to talk about these two men that are closer than a brother. They obviously have a lot in common. They are very much alike. So that often is is often a prerequisite to being very close, closer than a brother, and to have your souls knit together. But by acting on this, um, there was like an outward promise or, or covenant made. And I want to talk about the significance of the items that Jonathan gave to David. Because I think it's going to reveal to us a little bit about what it's like. Because these two men were spiritual brothers. Uh, they did eventually become brothers-in-law. David married Jonathan's sister. But before that, they were spiritual brothers. And so what what were some of the elements going into that relationship that made that relationship so strong? Well, first of all, he gave him his robe. And the robe was a symbol of Jonathan's honor. Now, Jonathan was a prince. Saul was the king, and he would have been recognized by his robe. So Jonathan was giving David a symbol of honor. He was willingly giving up his rightful position for relationship with David. And isn't that what Jesus did for us? When we look in Philippians chapter 2, it says, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. So that was the first um, element of this covenant. The second was, he said he gave up his armor. Now, I want to tell you that the armor here, I've done some research, is probably not that heavy metal armor um, that David kind of it didn't didn't work for him when he tried on Saul's heavy metal armor. But the armor here is probably actually military clothes. So it, along with all of these military pieces that he's giving David, it just really symbolizes that Jonathan is now committing to defend David no matter the cost. So when he gives him his sword, that is a symbol of protection. And by giving David his sword, he's saying, I will never have to protect myself against you. So that's pretty significant. What about the bow? Well, the bow was a symbol of provision. It wasn't just a weapon of war, but a tool to get food. So here, here David is make, or I'm sorry, Jonathan is making himself vulnerable to David. So with the bow, Jonathan can provide for himself, but he's given his bow to David. So he is saying he's allowing himself to be dependent upon David to be part in filling his needs. Okay, and then what about his belt? His belt is a kind of a symbol that holds everything together. And there's another place where a belt is mentioned in the New Testament. In the armor of God, the belt is the belt of truth. And by giving David this belt, he's pledging his loyalty and his honesty with David. Uh, good or bad, Jonathan's going to tell David the truth. And this actually plays out in 1 Samuel chapter 20, when Jonathan agrees to make sure that his dad isn't really trying to kill David. And Jonathan says in verse 9, you know that if I had the slightest notion that my father was planning to kill you, I would tell you at once. Now, when he shockingly discovers that Saul really is trying to kill David, he tells him the truth. 
And during this whole ordeal, they reaffirm their friendship and devotion to each other. And they sadly have to say goodbye at this point in the story. So this story does prove out what Proverbs 18 teaches. It says, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, Jonathan and David were friends that stuck closer than brothers in a covenant of honor, defense, protection, provision, and truth. Is that the kind of shelter that you provide your brothers and sisters in Christ? What about our brothers and sisters through genealogy? So I know that this song was written by brothers and that they even say in in one of the other articles that I read, their mom was really glad when they kind of put this feuding that had kind of built up between them over time away because they are uh, biological brothers here as well as being brothers in Christ. But Jesus shockingly taught on this whole um, biological brother situation in Mark chapter three, his mother and his brothers came and standing outside, they sent to him, him being Jesus and called him and a crowd was sitting around him. And they said to him, your mother and brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, which by the way, were his disciples. He said, here are my mother and brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my mother and brother, I'm sorry, brother and sister and mother. So this is kind of a whole new way of thinking, but it's it's right straight red letters from the from the lips of Christ. Our spiritual brothers and sisters, the ones who obey God, should be those who stick closer than a biological brother. Now, my prayer for you is that you find a brother or sister who, like Jonathan and David, that you could have your souls knit together. They had a lot in common. Don't overlook that. But it was their commitment to each other. It was their covenant that made all the difference. So my challenge to you is be the kind of friend that Jonathan and David were to each other. And may God bring you that kind of relationship in return. It's definitely an adventure. So what's next? Well, you're welcome to explore this relationship further by reading in 1 Samuel, but I have created a free resource to assist you in exploring scripture by using this topic of brothers, and I've entitled it, Oh Brother, Exploring a Topic in Scripture, and it's just a simple one-page tool to help you get started. So as I mentioned before, if you just go to michellenizat.com forward slash 78 download, you can get that resource and go on a topical adventure. So you're going to need to choose one or all of the examples that I list of brother relationships. So again, you can do all uh, the tool I give you will help you whether you choose this story between Jonathan and David, or you choose uh, the one between Cain and Abel in Genesis chapter four, Jacob and Esau in Genesis 25 through 33, Joseph and his brothers is Genesis 37 through 45, or the prodigal son in Luke 15, or all of them. There there are a few things that I want to challenge you to do as you explore these uh, stories about brothers. Uh, First, I want you to actively read these stories. Now, active reading is this. It's reading something with a determination to understand and evaluate it 
for its relevance to your needs. So you're going to be thinking about what you're reading. You're really thinking about it so that you can apply it to you. And what are your needs? Your need to know and understand God better and to know and understand how it can apply to your own life. So always we should read, actively read God's word in this way. And then next, I want you to read in context. Now, the great thing about a topic or the topic of brothers, it's going to lead us to stories in the Bible. And to understand a story, you have to read the whole story. So you really need to read it in context. That's why I said you might even back up further away from when you meet Jonathan and David to understand that whole story so that you can understand the nuances of what's happening. But I want you to... um, Flex that context muscle. It's going to keep you in the habit of always studying God's word in context. Now, finally, I want to challenge you to think critically about what you're reading. And this this should naturally come out of active reading, as I said. But it goes a step further. I want you to ask questions while you're reading. Write a summary of what you've read. Come to some conclusions based on your current knowledge and experience, and then share with others. You've got to sow the seed you've received, okay? So if you are a current subscriber to my website, you've already received this resource in your Monday morning email, okay? If you're not a subscriber, just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 78 download to have this one page resource sent to you. It's going to guide you through the process step by step. I even include an example. So are you ready to take on this week's adventure? I hope so. And while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me at michelle at com. Hop on Twitter at Michelle at Facebook, Michelle L. Nizat is my public page. Let's talk about what you're learning. And before I tell you what song we will be featuring next week, I want to shout out to Scott from Texas, Leanne from Mississippi, Joy from Minnesota, and Donna from California. They are my newest subscribers to my website. And the benefit of subscribing, again, is that I will email you once a week. I've talked about that already. And in that email, you will get a memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can even print it out um, as it relates to this week's podcast. And you'll get our email recap of the episode, and you will get instant access to any of the resources I create for my episodes like I did this week when I created that uh, resource titled Oh Brother. So it's just my way of thanking you for listening. So head over to michellekneesat.com to subscribe today. And then don't miss an episode of my podcast by subscribing in iTunes. While you're there, if you would leave me a written review and a star rating, I would really appreciate it. It encourages me and it shows the value of this podcast as people are finding, uh, new listeners are finding us every day. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Just like Joel, who thanks God for the podcast, he thanks God for me and my family. And you got me there, Joel, because my family really sacrifices time with me for me to put out this podcast week in and week out, and none of them complain. And so I join with you, Joel, in thanking God for them. And thanks, Joel, for taking the time to write a review. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will use Exhale by Plum to jump into scripture. 
If you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 78. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.